Aloha. We're glad you've joined us for this Reunion Hawaii Church podcast. These teachings by our pastoral team are recorded live during our weekly services in Honolulu, Hawaii. We hope you will be blessed by this teaching. Give it up for Pablo. Yeah. I'm in a standing mood. It's just a beverage chair. Hey, everybody. Happy October 31st of an unnamed holiday. Won't go there. Um, Natalia, are you in the room still? Yay! Natalia, will you stand? Today is Natalia's birthday, hence all of her lays. And wow, if you have never talked to Natalia, you are missing out. We adore her around these parts. And um, man, I lovingly refer to her as Mama Fuego um, because she is just so fiery and she has marked our lives with just her zeal for the Lord and just has such a deep reverence and fear of God that really just plagues every person in the room that she walks into. We're able to just be gripped by the person of Jesus through her. And Natalia, I felt like this year the Lord, I saw this vision of the Lord showing you door after door after door and him giving you keys and giving you greater access. And I heard him say, you're trustworthy, so I'm giving you greater access this year. And I just feel him honoring your trustworthiness and how, um, how much integrity you walk in behind closed doors and on stages, but that wherever you're placed, that you steward it with excellence and with passion for Jesus. Um, and I don't know if this is um, literal, like an actual home, but it, or if it's like spiritual, but I felt like the Lord is giving you greater residence and territory this year. So I don't know if it's a literal living place or if it is just a spiritual territory but I, I just declare over you Natalia that you would take up every ounce of space that the Lord releases to you because you are you are trustworthy and you carry him we see Jesus in you because you look just like him and we love you amen Aww. I love her um, wow, I haven't spoke here for a while. You guys see me leading worship a lot, but um, haven't been, we haven't given a talk in a while. But tonight I really felt like the Lord was saying that the hungry ones came to get fed tonight. And so I just really wanted to open up the front space. If you guys feel moved or stirred by the Lord to give a response, um, I just felt like to give you permission to do that. Um, I really feel like the people that came specifically tonight, that um, there was something spe special that God had for you tonight, that there was a marking that he wanted to release over you tonight. And that doesn't mean that the people who didn't come aren't hungry. It is just speaking of the people in this room that you are hungry and that the Lord has something for you. Um, and so at any point during my talk, you are welcome to come lay, sit, whatever you want. But I just feel like there's a, there's a response and a, a returning that's happening. I feel like some people have walked into this room um, that have kind of walked, either walked completely away from the Lord or have just, there's some distance. And I feel like there's a returning that the Lord is inviting you into. So 
I'm just going to pray, and during that prayer, if you so choose, you can come on up. But I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are present in this room. Yeah, just give him your attention. You are the one that we came to love. Yeah, I thank you, Lord, for childlikeness to see the fullness of your glory. Tonight, little Lulu Aguirre prayed over me and released glory over me, little five-year-old. And I just felt the Lord on that. So Lord, would you position our hearts like Lulu to know that we are receivers and releasers of your glory. Yeah, we came here for you, Jesus. Amen. All right. Today, I am going to be talking about remembrance. Uh, this has just been a season for me of remembering and reminiscing. If you're friends with me, you've, I'm sure you've gotten many a text message from me of like, remember when? Ha, ha, ha. I love to reminisce. And I honestly have a really bad memory, and so I treasure the memories that I do have because um, I don't have many. So when I, when I do have memories, I feel very excited about it. Um, and it just... it rekindles a love for, for that person when I remember that that beautiful memory that I have so but I've, I've felt that way in the Lord um, I felt him stir me to read back through my old journals and my old prophetic words this season and to remember where I've come from and to walk through the cringeworthy moments and to walk through the disappointing, inaccurate prophetic words that I thought the Lord was speaking but was a wrong interpretation and to just reconnect with what the Lord spoke in a past season. Um, and Stephanie Gretzinger and a couple other people have said this quote, says, worship leads us to return, remember, and reconnect. And I felt that for tonight, and I also felt kind of an inverse of that as well, that remembering also leads us to reconnecting and to worship, that when we, when we remember, how could we not respond? And this is even why we, we take communion corporately and individually. It's not a legalistic ritual of some kind. It's, it's actually super powerful and meaningful, and it reminds me to return to the, the, the person of my Savior, to the blood of Jesus, to remind me of my need for a Savior and his fulfillment of that. I'm feeling real tender tonight. Not sure why I wore makeup, but it's okay. Um, and I think a lot of times in busy seasons, it's really easy to get caught up in, in just what's right in front of you and to just be going through the motions. I know for me, um, being in full-time ministry, it's really easy for it to become like a to-do list and like, okay, on Sunday I have to do this, this, and this, and then Monday, and then Tuesday, and then, and it just becomes tasks and survival mode when I'm busy. Um, but reading back through those journals, <laughs> I've been so stirred because I'm literally walking in the prophetic words that I didn't believe when he gave them to me. And the life that I'm living right now is like even better than those words spoke of. And it's things that I never even told anyone or words that I, I received that I literally didn't believe, things that I just flushed or put on the, the back of the shelf and just thought, well, okay, they got it wrong. But I, I'm... I feel like my life is like a walking miracle of things that I just didn't have enough belief for in the moment. And to, to read through them 
is such beautiful confirmation and the fruit seems even sweeter because of that. And so that's kind of what I want to talk about tonight is, is, is setting a, a lifestyle of remembrance and returning to those moments and being marked by um, memorials that the Lord has placed on our life. And I know that remembering can be honestly pretty painful for some people. I am fully aware of that. I know that some of my memories are tough to go, to go back on and it's really easy to just block things out that are tough. I am the queen of that. Um, but that's actually a trauma response. And that is, that is actually not believing in the fullness of the redemption of Jesus when we just block it out and just move on from that. And I think that the Lord spoke to me a long time ago and he said, any memories that you look back on and you cringe are memories that you have not allowed my blood to touch that you've not allowed my redemption to touch because you're placing shame on something that I've never placed shame on. And I think it's really easy, especially you wanna talk about like your past or your family, and it's so easy to look back and just see like bad thing after bad thing after bad thing. And you look at a relationship where somebody has hurt you and you can see Anybody can see the ways that they have wronged you, the ways that they have done whatever to you. That does not take the Holy Spirit to see the bad stuff. And, and then it's, it's easy to just be like, oh, you know, even in, a, even in a good lens of like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break the cycle. I'm going to be the one that, that breaks the generational stronghold. I'm going to be the one that, that starts a new cycle and that stands in the promises of God. But then you're still just only looking at the junk and you don't get to receive the generational blessing and the generational good inheritance on your family line. And for me, my family, like most families, we have some stuff, you know, like there's, there's just some stuff. And I, for a long time, was very clouded by that. And it was really easy for me to see um, just like the long history of things that I wish weren't there and be heartbroken by it. And even now, I think even in my current season, I'm very heartbroken for a lot of things in my family. And in the past, I would have just stopped there, you know, and it was too hard to look at, or I would have just only focused on the junk, the health problems or the thought patterns or the relational brokenness or the offense or whatever it was. But if I only stopped there, I wouldn't get to receive the rich and beautiful legacy that my family's left for me. And I even wrote some things down of like, my family on both sides walks in a really deep love for their community. They walk in abundance mindsets actually, and I've realized more and more how rare that is. They are wise and excellent stewards that leave things better than they found them. They each of them pursues to better the world around them in their career fields. I have a long line of people, especially the women in my family, that are very spiritual, that even though they didn't have language for it, they were seers and feelers in the spirit. And, and the biggest thing I, I always come back to is um, a generational legacy of generosity. <laughs> and I, like Lise, was also very moved by the offering today. Anytime we put that up and I get to say I'm generous like my father, I'm not just saying my 
the, the father, I'm saying my father, is the most generous man I've ever met. And I get to receive that when I recognize it, when I return and I remember that. If I just stopped at the health problems and the relational brokenness, I wouldn't get to receive that and walk in it. But I have a rich legacy, and I get to sort that out because I have the Holy Spirit. And there is friction in this. Hear me, I'm fully aware that there is deep, refining friction in seeing the good and the bad. But, but I am missing out if I don't walk in this. And it is so worth it. My family misses out if I choose not to walk in this. And my family is worth the friction of that. Wow, it is worth, each one of them is worth any heartbreak or disappointment any defeat that I feel, they are worth being fought for even when they don't want to be. They are worth setting new standards that go against the grain. Jesus paid for the fullness of my family line and he paid for the fullness of yours. And no matter how healthy or how broken your family is, God has never made a mistake in placing somebody in the wrong family. You are exactly in the family that you're meant to be. Not even your parents get to choose what kind of kid that they had. He chose you. Is there a tissue in this vicinity? <laughs> Who knew? Who knew I was going to be a crier? Thank you. And so I think it's super important over the past few years, I've just really decided to intentionally place an importance on, on remembering and receiving things from my past and from my family history and to not shy away from that, to be fully grieved by the junk but fully ready to receive and be totally and completely hopeful. And I also want to say with that too, that when you place your life under the blood of Jesus, when you give him lordship in your life, that you actually have released your legal right to hold unforgiveness and offense towards anyone. That actually Christians have no legal right to hold grudges. I talked to our full-time students about this this week. I was talking on um, deliverance and about how unforgiveness and bitterness and um, resentment and grudges, things like that, offense, that they, they, they literally, it takes you from standing under the blood of Jesus and receiving the fullness of the, that covenant and you literally take yourself out from underneath that and give a key to the demonic when you walk in something that's not in the covenant. That actually Jesus paid for not just the stuff that you have done, but every single thing that has ever and will ever be done to you. And so if I am choosing to live my life under the blood of Jesus, I don't get to pick and choose. I receive his blood or I don't. And I do want to be clear that that does not negate the pain and I know that the hurt is real and I, I do not recommend shoving things under the rug. Trust me, don't try it. Been there, done that try not to do that but even though I'm not shoving it under the rug it means that I have the responsibility to deal with it even if it wasn't my fault 
I'm so sorry that that stuff has happened to you. And I'm so sorry that you've had to walk through things that you never wanted to. And that you are the one <laughs> that has to break those generational strongholds. I'm sorry that that's your responsibility. And I wish that it wasn't. But nobody else is going to step into healing for you. I want to give you an example. Say that Sam, say that he sells his house, okay? Sold, he signed the deed over, done. He hasn't lived there. Maybe he hasn't even lived there for years, okay? And then one day, he's like, you know, I, st I still have a key. I'm going to go stay in the guest room. <laughs> that does not make any sense. That is not his house anymore. He has no right to be there. Like, he sold it. Done. He has no legal right. His name is not on that property. And then in that, too, the actual owner of that home, because you are in the wrong, you are intruding on something that you don't have ownership to anymore, then, then if he shows up in their house in the middle of the night, they actually have the legal right to attack him. And so I think a lot of people, it's easy to be like, oh, I have spiritual warfare, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, I bet you do. I bet you do. You gave all this legal right to the demonic. You know? Like, when's the last time you opened your Bible? When's the last time you were praying? How much gossip are you talking about right now? How much unforgiveness are you walking about? And I think we're really concerned. I'm going to be wise. I think we're very concerned about little things that don't really matter, but they seem really sparkly. But I'll tell you what, the, demon, the, the demonic loves to distract and pollute and confuse, and they will take your eyes onto something that actually doesn't matter while you're, you're walking in these socially acceptable sins of bitterness and grudges. And the world will tell you if you're hurt, just cut somebody off. That is the opposite of the nature of the Father whose ministry is reconciliation. So it's a good indicator if you are cutting people out of your life that you are not actually walking in step with the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean continuing to be her, but you understand what I'm saying. Hear my heart. I'm going to skip ahead. Okay, I'm going to talk about stones of remembrance. I don't know how people cry all the time. I just, I don't, it's, it pains me physically. Okay, stones of remembrance. When Moses led the people out of, of captivity in the Exodus, Moses led them out of captivity from Egypt, and then what happened? They go to the Red Sea, and Jesus parted it. Remember that? And then he walks them through process for 40 years, and they receive all these radical, it is crazy. If you read through those passages, like, <laughs> it's so easy to be like, oh, yeah, I heard that in kids' church growing up or whatever. But it is weird. Like, it's crazy. Can you imagine for, like, an entire generation, you don't go to the grocery store, that the food that you have is like, it just rains down from heaven in the morning. <laughs> and you just take what you need. And if you take too much, then it'll rot. Like, that's so weird and they like their clothes never wore out their shoes never wore out like that is that's wild that's so wild but they literally it was a generation that went from slavery to learning full dependence on the father because slaves can't enter the promised land sons can and so it was this whole generation where God was pruning out the slavery mentality so that a generation of sons could walk into the promised land the Joshua generation 
And so when Joshua led these people from the wilderness and into the promised land, God did something very similar. They got to walk in the generational legacy of the ones who walked into the wilderness. And instead of walking through the Red Sea, the Father led them to a river. And he got to, they got to see them part the Jordan River. And normally, the Jordan River is like, uh, I forget the exact measurements, but it's like, it's, not, it's just a regular sized river. Like, it's just normal. But in this specific season, it was like a mile wide, which is so wild. Can you imagine a mile wide river? That's absurd. And so, when they crossed it, then the, the river parts, and um, the, then God gives them certain instructions of how the procession into the promised land is supposed to go. And one of the things he said was um, that the priests would carry the Ark of the Covenant, which was the presence of God. That was the thing that was like the Holy of Holies in the temple. That was like the manifest presence of God. Now we have the Holy Spirit, wow. Um, but they, the, the priest carrying the ark went into the middle of the river and stood there while everybody crossed. Isn't that wild? That God would go before us and stand right in the middle of an impossible circumstance while we passed. That's amazing. And, and so when God instructed them to build a memorial, the stones of remembrance, it wasn't just once you get across, then stack a couple of pebbles across or whatever. The, the, the Lord literally asked them to bring stones from the middle of the river to, he said, before they walked into the river, he said, you're going to remember this for generations. And then in the middle of the river, they got to choose to receive in faith. At any moment, that river could have just like swept them away. But in faith, in the middle of their circumstance, in the middle of this crazy impossible thing, they picked up, and if it lasted for generations, it's not like it was a, like a rock like in my hand. It would have been like boulders. And so they took these massive rocks from the middle of the river, and that's what they stacked a memorial for generations to see, was from the middle of the river. So they said, God was with me in the middle of impossibility. And then they got to tell that story. God said, the reason why you're doing this is to tell generations to come of my faithfulness. That's God's value for remembrance. He could have just done it, and it would have been cool. But for generations and generations and generations, as little kids were exploring over there, they would say, like, Mom, Dad, what are those stones? And I got to say, wow, your great-great-grandma actually believed the Lord, and in faith, she got, to, she got to walk through the Jordan River into the Promised Land. That's your legacy. That's your inheritance, is a rich legacy of faith and believing God does exactly what he said he'll do. Isn't that so powerful? And I, I really believe that, that when God asks you to place stones of remembrance on certain things, that it not only brings faith and trust to you, like it's not only just a personal breakthrough, but you get to actually give that away. You get to actually tell those stories of the faithfulness of God. I get to tell stories of my parents, of what I received from them, and you get to receive the fruit of that. I get to tell you about their generosity, and you get to receive from that. Actually, I will, I'll tell you a story. I was actually talking to my mom on the phone on my drive over, and I remember this story that they've told me my, my whole life. They were always super, 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 super generous, and I didn't even realize how generous they were until um, I was filling out my, my FAFSA, and I saw like the percentage of their salary that they donated, and it's illogical how much they give away. Um, it is just the Lord, and um, they, they tell me this story of, um, when they were, my dad was doing one of his PhDs and they were 
dirt poor kind of a thing. And my brother had just been born, and they had to scrounge around their house looking for coins enough to have dinner that night. And um, I would always say, like, oh, Dad, like, why do you always pay for people's dinner? He would say, because I, when I was in the place that I couldn't pay, I, wa- I wish somebody had paid for me. Or he'll tell them, he'll tell me like, this person paid for me when we were in need. This person bought our groceries. This person had us over for dinner one night. And, and I get to walk in that, which is so cool. And actually that's like generations and generations and generations past, like past what we even have documented. On both sides of my family, um, it was even like my, my great-grandparents provided for my grandparents through college. They put them through college and as, as high of a degree as they wanted. And they said, the way you can pay me back is to do this for your kids. And so my grandparents did that for my parents. They put them through college. They said, as high, high a degree as you want to go, and we'll provide for you until you're on your feet. And the way you pay us back is to do this for your kids. And my parents did that for me and my brother as well. And And... If I have kids and my brother has kids, then we get to pass that down to our children as well. And, and while there's a lot of junk that I could receive from my family line, I have never, ever walked in a lack mindset in my life. I'm actually a walking miracle that I have never, ever doubted the provision of God. Like, not one time in my life has it actually crossed my mind deeply. Like, on the surface, I'm like, oh gosh, like, what's happening? But deeply in my heart, I've... I've never known a day where there hasn't been food on my table. No matter how in need we were, like there was always food on our table. And so with that, you get to receive that now. And you get, to, you get to take that story, and now you get to do that for your family and for generations to come. I want to I wanna read Deuteronomy 8, if we have those slides. Oh, yes. Okay, this whole chapter is so good. Okay, be careful to obey all the commands I'm giving you today. Then you will live and multiply, and you will enter and occupy the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. For all these 40 years, your clothes didn't wear out and your feet didn't blister or swell. Think about it. Just as a parent disciplines a child, the Lord your God disciplines you for your own good. So obey the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land of flowing streams and pools of water, with fountains and springs that gush out in the valleys and hills. It is a land of wheat and barley, of grapevines, fig trees and pomegranates, of olive oil and honey. It's a land where food is plentiful and nothing is lacking. It's a land where iron is as common as stone and copper abundant as the hills. When you have eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he's given you. This is where it gets juicy. But that is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations, and decrees that I'm giving you. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold multiplied along with everything else, be careful 
Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Don't forget that he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions where it was so hot and dry. He gave you water from the rock. He fed you with manna in the wilderness. He did this to humble you and test you for your own good. He did all this so you would never say to yourself, I've achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He's the one who gives you powerful power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. I assure you of this. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods, worshiping and bowing down to them, you will certainly be destroyed. Just as the Lord has de- destroyed other nations in your path, you'll also be destroyed if you refuse to obey the Lord your God. Remembering literally sets you up for success and trusting the Lord and for generations after you. And I, lo- I love that verse, man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So that, if we wanna break that down, I mean the manna of heaven means, like you, you've seen this miraculous provision of the Lord, you've seen the miracles every day, you've gotten exactly what you need, but that's not what you live on. You live on the word of God that comes out of his mouth. It's not about the bread, it's about the faithfulness of the word of God. That he proved true to his word. And it's not even then, if you wanna take it further, it's not even really about that word, it's about the person of, of, of God. It's not this word that was like some separate thing that just like drifted through the air and was completed. The, the word was God. And then in Matthew 4, we see Jesus standing on his generational legacy and quoting this. That it was literally a key to releasing him from the power of the demonic. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And isn't it interesting how much that mirrors the legacy that he walked on, that the 40 days and 40 nights mirrored the 40 years of the Israelites in the wilderness. And I think that, I don't know, this is reading between the lines, but I I think that as, as a son, of that legacy that he was reminding himself of the faithfulness of God through his generations. That he was reminding himself that he was walking into the promised land on behalf of every generation before him. That it was the true promised land. The, the Holy Spirit filling him. The Holy Spirit being released into, the, into all flesh. And not on, he not only stood on the word that God had just personally given him too. Because if you notice, Satan said, if you are the son of God. Well, a couple of verses earlier, what did God just say to him? This is my son. <laughs> and so he, he not only survived off of a generational word, but God confirmed it to him personally. He said, you are my son. And then Satan's like, well, if, if you are. And he's sneaky like that because he'll, he'll take something that's kind of true. And it's like, oh, he's not lying. Like, if you are the son of God. Like, did he lie there? No, but he questioned the truth. I have a phrase that I kind of 
I don't know, this is just like vocabulary I use for it. I call them anchor words, but they could be like stone of remembrance words. Um, just personal language that I have that I, I call them anchor words. I believe that, I believe that God gives us words that, that anchor us in truth, like a rhema word, a now word of God, in his, in his truth and faithfulness right before we walk, something, walk through something that looks the opposite. So for example, I had some friends where they went through this season of like six months where every single word that they got, every time they went to church, anytime they had a guest speaker, people were processing them like, man, I just see a mantle of financial abundance over you. I just feel like you're gonna walk in financial miracles. You're gonna be a benefactor for people. You're gonna raise up like massive words. And right after that, they went bankrupt. And they stewarded the little that they had really well and they continued to anchor themselves in that word. And now they are walking in that word. Now they are benefactors and they are walking in generosity. And they get to not only have enough, but they're giving to other people, which is so beautiful. And so if, if you pay attention, I think a lot of times it's like, man, if God gives you an anchor word and then you walk through something that doesn't look like that, then you're like, oh, I heard him wrong. I don't think so. I think that if you didn't hear that, that your direction would have totally changed. Like you needed to hear that so that that would be your compass and that you would know your trajectory and stay steady to it so that when things look differently, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be moved by it. And I think that leaning into those things actually leads us to the ability to surrender and sacrifice more readily because I trust him. So if you're asking for something and you're asking me to walk through something, then well, I trust you, so here it is. You're not a liar, you know? Like if I believe him, he's been faithful every single other time, why would he change now, you know? He's faithful and unchanging through every generation. He's not gonna like, oh, all of a sudden, turn into a liar. Like if he said something, I believe him. Jeremy Riddle has this quote in his book that I love. It says, God is never trying to rob you. He's trying to establish you. And I, <laughs> I have a lot of experience of questioning the anchor words that I've received in my life. And um, I felt to just like share some of them. I felt like today I was just supposed to kind of share some of my story to you guys. Um, when I was in YWAM, I got so many words. <laughs> Even now I get so many words about the nations, the nations, the nations, you're called to the nations. And um, specifically, people would say like, oh, I, I see your songs being sung um, across the world. And so I was like, oh, okay, I'm gonna be a missionary, I'm gonna go to every country. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'll interpret that exactly how I want. I love to travel, so yes, I will. And, and then right after that, God called me out of YWAM and I was like, here it is, I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna go. And he was like, nope you're gonna stay in America, this is where you're called. And I was like, I'm sorry, <laughs> what? And, and it's crazy too because my, my album, now I don't know if you guys have, have listened to it, but it's um, actually yesterday was the one year anniversary of it, which is so wild. <laughs> Thanks, wow, huh, so sweet. Um, and I kind of, honestly, I flushed all those words about the nations because I was like, I cannot think about this. I feel confused and disappointed. And, and then I remember the first time I looked at my like Spotify stats, like you can see like where it's streamed and who's streaming it and all that stuff. And ever since it came out, every single month over this entire year, it's been streamed in at least 100 countries. 
That's crazy. Which is like, it just, and you can't even see past 100 countries. Like, it's just, it just shows you the top 100. So, like, I don't know. There might be more. And that's just Spotify. Like, there's other streaming services, too, which is, and I, I, the first time I looked at that, I remembered that word, and I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I have been such a jerk about this word for years because I thought I was wrong or you were being mean or something. And here you are fulfilling that without me lifting a finger and this is so much better than I thought. And, and the fruit was so much sweeter in that word whereas if I hadn't gotten that word and I hadn't wanted to do those things, it would've been like, oh, that's really cool. But like it was so much sweeter because I was remembering this word and remembering this sacrifice and Jesus brought fire on that sacrifice. Another one, um, after my YWAM season, I walked into my wilderness season that my album is about. And I've talked briefly in different places about that season, but um, I was very, very sick and had to give up a lot of things and a lot of my dreams and things that I thought I wanted and um, I was very confused about why I was here on the island and um, just in so much pain and I had to quit everything. And um, in that moment of, of failure and defeat, if you're in Kingdom Living, you heard me talk about this, but the Lord said that, he said, your name is Triumph. And he set a, a literal stone of remembrance in the middle of my season. It was the middle of the river. <laughs> and he, he said, pick up a boulder, and you're going to put this on the other side. And you're going to remember for generations to come that I gave you triumph. And it's like the sweetest fruit of my life to know like people who don't know that story and don't know me. I have people walk up to me all the time and like, man, I just feel like when you, when you sing or when you do something, like you release, you release victory, you release triumph into the room. And it's like always so moving to me because I'm like, I used to not. And that's what he did in the weakest, sickest season of my life. And in that season, um, I remember driving away from the YWAM base and the Lord like, <laughs> so sweetly whispered to me this invitation of a wilderness season. And I knew that it was gonna be so costly. Like in that invitation, I knew that it was gonna be like, it would cost me my entire life. And he said in that, in that moment, he said, he said, Rachel, this will be the sweetest season of your life if you choose to say yes. It's gonna taste bitter in the moment, but you'll look back. You'll look back and remember this season as the sweetest season of your life. The greatest and sweetest fruit of your entire life will be reaped from the seeds you plant in this season. I took that out of my, my journal. And he was super right. <laughs> like what was burned out of me in that season is like the only reason I'm even still in love with him. Like I needed that season. And, and in that same season, just so many anchor words in my wilderness season. Um, I, I was like, with not, I'm a very like driven person. I like to go, go, go. And I love having a job. I love knowing where my money's coming from. I like to work. I like to be in control. And in this season of having to surrender all of that, and literally, not, it wasn't like my choice. Like I couldn't do anything else. Also, 
Side note, I don't think that God made me sick. I want to be clear about that. God did not give me that sickness. He just used that season of wilderness, just to clarify. But in that season of me not working and, and doing a lot of ministry or anything like that, um, the Lord would say, when you forget that I'm working on your behalf, I want you to sit here and trace the calluses of my hand. And at a very visual, secret place where it was like not a lot of like, Bible reading and sermon listening and stuff like that, it was a lot more like I couldn't really sit up a lot and I was just, I would lay there and it was just like visual, like purified mind of Christ, imagination of um, of the Lord bringing me into different things and um, in that I would feel, I just feel so emotional today, I would feel like Jesus the carpenter walk into my room and sit on my bed and place his calloused hand and say, I'm working on your behalf. If you forgot, trace the calluses of my hand. And it was like literally what got me through. And I saw that even in that season, I didn't miss out. It actually put me so much further in life than if I didn't walk through that season. And then he told me to, um, to write an album I'm like laying in bed, like in so much pain. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> like, I can hardly move my hands. You want me to play piano right now? Um, I don't even have a piano. And he said, I want you to sing your way out of pain. And you're going you're gonna to write an album, and it's going to be sung from this deep place of hurting, and it will sing people into healing. And I thought, you know, that an album was maybe just a word that he was using of like a collection of songs that I would like lead in a room or maybe people would come over and I could share in my living room. Um, but as I finished, I started getting visions of recording it. And he said, you're going to record this with people on this island that, look, that will become your family. You don't know them yet. And I didn't listen. <laughs> I went to the mainland. And I was recording with some of my friends. And long story short, it fell through. It didn't happen. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like, I've perverted this dream that you gave to me. And so he said, let it all go. And so um, I actually wrote him a letter that I entitled, I Love You More Than a Dream. And basically, Oh, actually, I have it. I found it just right before. I said, this was April 26, 2018. I said, Jesus, I love you more than a dream. I've taken something beautiful that you gave me and twisted it to fit my timing and agenda. I'm sorry. I want you. I'm not after a dream. As of today, I'm committed to let it go. Songs, recording, even worship leading outside of my church commitment. I won't touch it ever again unless you want to resurrect it. But until then, it's dead. Have your way. It's always better. <clears throat> and I, I did. I let it go. And... Um, I, I buried it. I killed it. I thought it was gone forever. And then years later, May 2020, Tiffany Muagarza called me and they said, you know, like, I don't even know if you've written any songs, but would you be interested in recording with us? And I was like, what? Um, yeah, I have some songs. <laughs> and it was as if they had tapped me on the shoulder 
And what I thought was this like burial of something dead was actually like a seed that I'd planted. And I turned around and it was this massive tree that had overflowing fruit that was from the Lord and not from me. It was all the yeses that I'd given Jesus of saying, I love you more than a dream. I love you more than a song. And then even further, he said, he said, okay, now don't put, we finished the album, he said, don't put a penny into marketing. I want you to be able to, um, to stand on the other side of this and, and know that it was just me, that you didn't touch it, that nobody made this happen. And so all I did was post on social media some, and then other people shared it and forwarded it, and it wasn't like Spotify playlisted or anything. I didn't do any ads and or artist pools or all of that stuff. And I, not even the free stuff that was offered to me, I felt like Jesus said no to so much of that too. Um, I was getting wild calls of people who wanted to like, it was crazy, these doors that were open. And I was like, God, whoa. And he was like, nope, not for me. It'd be like radio stations that wanted to do interviews with me and um, websites that wanted to put banners of my songs, not for money, but because they'd been marked by the songs. And like blog features and all this stuff. And he was like, nope. I want you to be able to stand on the other side of it and know that every listen was from me. And it's the sweetest fruit to know that it's from him and not me. Um, and then another thing he said, I'm, I'm multiplying your songs throughout the nations. And um, it reminded me of that first word that he'd given me about the nations. And then a few hours later, I um, <laughs> looked at my TikToks. Sam Cabra convinced me to put stuff on TikToks. I'll always give him credit for that. I literally was like, no, TikTok is dumb. What's TikTok? Like, <laughs> I'm not 18. And um, um, I ate those words, that's for sure. And I, like a couple hours later, there's almost 100,000 views on all of the ones of my songs. And um, I just literally have to just... <laughs> I kept a little dabbing, and then I was like, I just gotta do one and done. Um, anyways, but it was um, like all these testimonies started pouring into my comment section, my, my DMs and stuff of um, people scrolling through their, what is that called, For You page? And um, I'm so hip, so relevant. <laughs> Mia tells me I'm relevant with the youth. <laughs> I'm just kidding. She told me the opposite, actually. <laughs> but. Um, they said that as they were scrolling through their For You page, that they were actually gonna kill themselves, and then it happened to be the last video that they scrolled through, and they encountered the presence of God, and the spirit, they didn't use these words, but the spirit of suicide broke off of them, and they ended up giving their life to Jesus. And um, crazy healings, deliverances, salvations, surrendering things, all kinds of things, like people coming out of comas, people um, having like, you know, they're listening to something and their family members that they haven't spoken to in months come into the room and say, what are you listening to? And then there's family reconciliation in that moment from a, like, a minute-long TikTok video. Are you kidding? That's so crazy. And all that to say, like, that, those are just things. That's the manna. That's the bread. And it's miraculous and beautiful and filling and wild and supernatural they speak to the glory and the wonder of God, but they're just bread, you know? It's not even the word of God that was the sweetest. 
is just bread. It's, th it's the bread that I don't live on alone. What was more beautiful to me is the words of fulfillment that I, I've not even found really the words to share this before now. Um, but it's just beautiful that <laughs> I'm not usually this emotional. <sighs> it was who spoke the word to me. <laughs> that this mighty God going through the nations and multiplying my song through the nations was the one who sat in my little bedroom having me trace the calluses of his hand. It was the person of Jesus that is sweet to me. So I tell you all that stuff because I think um, even before I started <clears throat> stirring myself in remembrance in this season, I was getting really blah. Like I just felt like I was going through the motions and I got really comfortable, I think. And um, I just want to caution you, like what it talked about in Deuteronomy 8, not to be comfortable in the fulfillment of the miracle that you contended for for so long. Like, it's so easy to just live your life and go to work and go home and go to church. But when you get those things, like when you enter the promised land, when you get that finish line moment, when you have the fulfillment of the miracle, like, it's not mundane and normal. Like, you're living a miracle. Like, the life that you're walking in right now is a miracle. Like, don't forget that that maybe like the dad that calls you all the time right now, like you, you didn't receive a phone call from him for years before this. Like don't forget how precious that is. That verse in Deuteronomy 8, 11, it said, this is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord. And I think too that in seasons of waiting, if you're in a season of waiting where you're feeling like I'm more in the middle of the river than on near the, the monument of the stones, um, I think that a lot of times in seasons of waiting, it's easy to, to get content. I think that a lot of people like, um, I just slipped my mind that like quote that's, anyways, it doesn't matter. But we, we learn, here I go again gross. We learn, um, we learn contentment, but contentment breeds complacency. And, cl and complacency makes you feel full when you're not. Complacency is like, is like if the feast is finished and the cook has spent hours, days marinating all of this stuff, Milton is the chef and he's marinating all the meats for days and slow cooking stuff and getting ready this feast. Imagine that on my way over to their house as they're preparing me this feast, I ate like three bags of chips. And I'm like, that's what contentment does to us. That's what complacency is, is like, oh, I'm fine, I'm full. Like, because you feel like you need to distract yourself from the, the tension of waiting. But I'll tell you that the greater the longing, the more satisfying the fulfillment is. Like if you actually let yourself long for the thing that Jesus promised, if you lean into these anchor words instead of just like, oh, put your head down and get through this and maybe it'll come true later. If you lean into that and allow yourself to feel the tension of the not yet, 
Like what Pablo talked to us about last week, that every promise that he's spoken is already fulfilled by the time it leaves his mouth. And so if I, if I believe him, if I know that he's not a liar, then I can fully lean my, lean my weight into him and know that the rug isn't going to be pulled out from under me. Don't guard yourself from disappointment by filling yourself with complacency. I think it's really easy to exchange hope for distraction and like being lovesick, yearning for the Lord, um, for artificial intimacy and for hype instead of zeal. Let's do this. I just feel like to make a space for um, people to give their trust as an offering to the Lord. <laughs> I'm sorry, there's a band-aid on the ground that came from my, <laughs> my shoe. That's so gross, I'm so sorry, we're getting real. <laughs> oh, guys, <sighs> keep me humble. It was from the back of my shoe. It's not a bloody one. It was so that I don't get a callus. But the Lord's like, trace my calluses, you know what I mean? Okay, anyways. Sorry, I really ruined that moment. I couldn't move on. <clears throat> we are going to commune with the Father who's never broken a promise. <laughs> I feel just laughing now. Ah, joy of the Lord. The other one just fell off. You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> He's healing me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Oh, gosh. I'm a mess. God, have mercy. <sighs> well, I thought it was going to be really serious ministry time, but I guess it's a joyful one. Maybe that was really symbolic of like, hey, you're guarding yourself from wounds. Take the Band-Aids off. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just joking. Don't take that. <laughs> oh, God, have mercy on me. Okay. We're going to do this. <laughs> we got to end this. <sighs> I really feel like there's people who are in waiting seasons. <laughs> oh, it's just very funny to me. So look at Jesus. Don't look at me. I think it's easy in waiting seasons um, to just dull your affections for the Lord and to just stay comfortable because you're afraid of like stepping out and fully extending and being disappointed or not met with fulfillment. Like you've stretched your hand out so many times and it's not been filled with what you wanted. And so you've gotten into rhythm of like, maybe I'll just not stretch my hand out anymore. But I feel like tonight is the night and I feel like there's a lot of people who are gonna receive breakthrough tonight in stepping out of, of disappointment or the expectation of disappointment and, and really stepping into the legacy of faithfulness in your own life. We all have a legacy of faithfulness to stand in. Even if you're the first Christian in your life, in your entire family, even if you're the, the you just became a believer, the, the Lord has been faithful to you too, even if it's just like, all you can think of is, man, I woke up every morning Thus far, I have, I have woken up and I breathe fresh breath every day. That's a history of the faithfulness of God. Your heart is beating. Your lungs are filling with air. Boom. Start there. So if you feel like this is for you, I want to invite you to come to the front right now. I just feel like in, in taking that step, um, 
that there's like a, a breaking off of the cycle. And I wanna, I wanna pray for you, but I just feel like, I feel like there's people who need to like stand up and come to the front and be like, no, I, I am going to yearn for the Lord. Um, I think that there's other people who need to return, like I said in the beginning, that whether it's you've totally turned away from the Lord or you've just drifted a little, um, I feel like there's a returning happening of your life. You can sit, stand, whatever you're most comfortable with. Um, or if you just feel to stand in your chair, no, <laughs> by your chair, don't stand on it. And if that's not you, I want you to stand still and I want you to stretch your hands out to, to the people in the front, to the ones that are, that are choosing, to, choosing to return, choosing to remember the one who's faithful. You can start that music, Jeriel. Jesus, we remember, we remember our need from you. We remember the legacy of your faithfulness that we're walking in. We remember every day that you woke us up. We remember every time that you've signed our paycheck, every time that you've paid our bills. I remember every single time that I've seen a healing or experienced a healing for myself. I remember every single time that you've provided community for me, that you've provided people to surround me. I remember every single time when you stopped me in my tracks and encouraged me. I remember every single time. I remember the God in the wilderness is the same God on the mountain peaks. He's, you're the same God of fulfillment as you were in the, the middle of the river. You're on the other side. And so I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that there is a turning of hearts right now. There is a breaking of the cycle in Jesus' name. If, if you're receiving prayer right now, I want you to physically stretch your hand or your hands out as a sign of, of you, will, you know, you trust that the Lord is going to fill your hands when you stretch them out. God is faithful. My God is faithful. There's never been a moment that he's broken a promise. If you trust him with your salvation, you can trust him with your bills or with your relationships or with your family. That's easy. He saved your soul. Everything else is easy. Has he not been faithful? I thank you, Lord, that these are the people. These are the ones who will stand and say, I'm breaking the cycle for my family that I will be the one to step into the generational blessing, the legacy, and I'm the one that's making a change for my family. That I won't resent them for what they didn't provide, but I will receive everything that they did provide. I thank you, God, that right now, in the name of Jesus, the cycles of bitterness and offense and unforgiveness are breaking off right now. I want you to repent in your heart. If you are walking in unforgiveness, repent in your heart. It's for the good of your soul that you repent, that you change your mind. Not that you grovel, but that you change your mind. Turn around. That path leads to destruction. I release a mantle of walking in reconciliation right now. This is your inheritance as a child of God. 
that you would be in your father's business of redemption, of unity. Yeah, and right now I just, I release the testimony of my life that I have chosen the costly offerings and I release the boldness to you right now that you're fully able to do the same thing. Just look at the Lord. If you struggle to make a costly offering to him, remind yourself of the blood of Jesus. Tell yourself over and over and over until you're over it. Say, I won't cheapen the blood of Jesus until you literally have forgiven every last person in your life, until you have chosen him every single time. He's worthy of your yes. And so I release a fire and a boldness that you would abandon every other lesser love in your life. It is not worth it. Every cost that he asks for, he is worthy of. And I pray right now that every person in this room would leave as an altar, that your entire life would be an altar for the Lord, that every dream that you're holding on to, that everything that's become an idol, even the good things that have stolen your gaze, whatever you put the most attention on, whatever you look at the most is what you're worshiping. That's what's God to you. And so I pray right now for surrendered hearts, that put even the good things on the altar right now. Let him burn it away. If it's yours, he will resurrect it. Is he not the resurrection in the life? If it's yours to keep, he will resurrect it. I've seen it every time in my life. Thank you, Jesus. Just stir your heart to worship. If you don't know what to do, just start thanking him. Just start thanking him for everything he's done. Return and remember. If you are on ministry team, I just want to release you to come and pray for the people in the front. That the people who, should, who are praying for you should be on our, our ministry team. So if you're not on that ministry team, we just invite you to just keep stretching your hands out. Continue to pray for people. Continue to receive. Just look at, look at the Lord. Forget 
after what we've experienced. Oh, it's unforgettable. It's unforgettable. Oh, how could we forget after what we experienced? Oh, up from the mug and the mother clay, she lifted me. Up from the muck and the miry clay, he lifted me. Oh, I remember, I won't forget how he took my life from the pen. I remember, I won't forget how he took my life from the pen. Oh, we remember, we won't forget how you took our lives from the pen. Remember, we won't forget. Look at where we are now. Look at where we were back then. We remember, we won't forget how you took our life from the pit. this song plays I just feel like there's a grace for the church to wake up I feel like there's a waking up that's taking place I've been very stirred by this this week listening to stories of people like Heidi Baker and currently what's going on in other places the martyrdom that's taking place she told a story of of a pastor in her community in Mozambique recently like weeks ago and his children were, were beheaded in front of him and the costs that they're counting, and how distracted some of the Western church has gotten by lesser things. And I feel like there's a grace for people to wake up tonight, to be stirred, to look away from the lesser things, that that stuff that is nagging for your attention, it really doesn't actually matter as much as you think it does. That there's, there, it is, the Lord is with you in that thing. He is in the details but that it does not have the weight on your life that you're giving it. 
And so I feel like if that's you, that there's some people that need to stand and that the Lord is releasing a supernatural zeal in the room, that you would be zealous for the person of Jesus above all else. And I feel like in the, in the act of that surrender that the Lord will just release it the moment that you stand. That there's a, there's a boldness that's being released of keeping your eyes on the one thing. Returning to your first love. Of doing literally whatever it takes to give your life to Jesus. He's super good at his job. Just keep returning, keep remembering, keep repenting. Turn your eyes away from the lesser things. I want you to be specific with the Lord. What are the specific things? Say them out loud. Give it to him. Give it to him. Is there a relationship that has become an idol to you? Is your need to control, has it become an idol to you? Let it go. That is not your God. Yeah, be bold. Nobody can do it for you. The person next to you is actually going to receive faith from you. They won't be distracted. They're not listening to what you're saying. I want to release you if you feel like um, that it's your time to leave. But if you are still receiving for the Lord, if you're giving things to the Lord, then I just invite you to stay. We're going to keep this as just a really sacred space for you to just give 
give your whole heart, your whole life to Jesus. He's so worthy. Thank you, God, that these are the hungry ones. That the hungrier you are, the sooner you get fed and the more you get to eat. So I bless you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with a deeper hunger that cannot be satisfied. That you wouldn't live on bread alone, not on the stuff, but on the Word of God, on the person of the Word. In Jesus' name. For more teaching like this, subscribe to this podcast. If you would like more information about Reunion Hawaii Church, our website is reunionhawaii.com. If you're in Honolulu, join us Sundays at 5 live at Kahala Mall. Aloha.